I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. It's football and other F words. And I hope you have had a lovely weekend of watching football that didn't involve the Titans because that was some terrible ass football, Zach. Blowouts everywhere. Blowouts everywhere was absolutely disgusting. Um, welcome in. It's Michael Gillum, your host. Zach Lyons is also here with me. I do that way too much, which is like introduce myself, give myself a title, and then tell you Zach is kind of here. Um, I, we're we're going to discuss a little bit of the playoffs, possibly at the end of the game, but you all sat there and watched every one of those football games. They weren't good. All they did was tell you who the Titans are going to play, which we now know is going to be going to be the Bengals. And uh, Zach and I are going to walk you through it. But um, that was that was some bad football. The last thing I put in our chat last night was J.J. Watt just had to go and put his stupid ass video out just to go out there, watch that team get his cheeks blown off. I, I mean, I love it because it's J.J. Watt, but I wish it would have been a competitive game. But this Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury thing only works for seven games out of the year. That means that majority of the year when it matters most is is trash and the cowboys were trash we knew the 49ers were the better team going in i mean the only the the, the cowboys and 49ers game ended up being good because it's on nickelodeon and it ended up being coming down to a last minute play but the cowboys got thrashed the whole time and the Bengals raiders were the second best game of the week <laughs> the Bengals raiders every one of those games i just I, we've argued back and forth again. We won't get into it here, but it's like, you know, a lot of people were, were complaining about adding the extra game. Did it cause this? No, I just, I, I really, the more I thought about it, you just, you had several teams who got in this year and not all seven seeds. I mean, Dallas looked like they shouldn't have been in the playoffs. It, it, you, you just had a lot of teams that got in and either couldn't handle the moment or whatever it was, but ugh, that was one of the worst wildcard rounds I've seen in a while. Um, but. Cincinnati I think that's Bengals the worst have, wild card round yeah. I've ever seen, to be honest. I, I, I think, I think so. you're right. I think you're right. I think that's the worst one I've ever seen. So Cincinnati makes it through. They're going to play the Titans. Zach has an entire article up about false narratives, and uh, we're, we're going to deep dive into kind of that layout for the game today. And first and foremost, why Titans fans need to, um, they don't need to overthink this game. This is, we're not playing the 2020 Bengals again. This is not the 2020 Titans that are playing the Bengals. So that's where I'm going to start with your article of where the art, where, where the Bengals are coming into this game, like how they finish their season, what kind of their makeup is coming into their game, Zach. Well, they finished the season with 10 and seven according to profootballreference.com. They had the easiest schedule out of all 32 teams and when you really get down and look at it, yeah, I could see that. Bills technically are the second, uh, have the second easiest schedule, which is hilarious to me too. Their most impressive win obviously came on week 17. Look, the Bengals are a good, hot, young, sexy football team, right? I mean, they are just, you know, they are just hot. Smoldering. And, and I get it. That 
everybody enjoys Joe Burrow. Everybody is enjoying Jamar Chase. The the story of everything. Zach Taylor, their head coach, is going to dive bars in Cincinnati and just getting drunk and wild after the playoff game. It's great. It's a great story. But they are a young and inexperienced team with only one quality win, and that's against the Kansas City Chiefs, who the Titans utterly destroyed. Their 10 wins came against opponents with below 500 winning percentage. And they even have their horrible losses. You can't say, listen, Bengals fans can't come into our mention and say, well, at least you, we didn't lose to the Jets. Because guess what? They fucking did. They got blown <laughs> out by the Browns. And they lost to the Chicago Bears led by Andy Dalton. The Chicago Bears. Look, great offense, suspect defense. Um... I mean, right now with those injuries, because let's let's say this, Larry Ogunjobi is out. He's on IR, and he's one of their main defensive linemen. And then you also have Trey Hendrickson, who's having to go through concussion protocol, which got to remember, some players have problems clearing by Sunday, and this team is playing on Saturday. Now, their game was on Saturday, so maybe that helps. But if he is out, that's a huge blow. Those two players are a huge blow for this linebacking core of the Cincinnati Bengals because that's how they stop the run, which we'll get into later. It, it, look, you're going to hear a lot. I don't know if these are really false narratives as well as they are shitty bad narratives or uncreative narratives or whatever, but what we're going to dive into is just, you're right, at the very top of it, you don't have to overthink this game. And that's what Titans fans do. That's what Titans analysts do. Sure, you got to have a whole, most of these radio shows or most of these articles that are being written, you have to write them. You have to find topics. You could fi probably find better topics if you spend a little bit of extra time on it instead of just taking shit at face value. But as fans, you guys need to understand that what happened last year does not matter. I kind of want to touch on one of the most prevalent things I'm seeing on Twitter, which I'm surprised to see because it looks like the majority of our fan base who does use Twitter would not be of the age that would really remember the first two times that the Titans have had the first round by. So the narrative I've been seeing is do the Titans come out flat from having a week off? And also, I want to add in the fact that the Bengals are now playing their, this will be their 10th game in a row, correct? Since they've had right. a bye week. Yeah. So let's just compare and contrast that. for and, and the reason why I want to make the argument against the Titans coming out flat. First and foremost, we have mentioned multiple times on this podcast, as recently as last week, um, Mike Vrabel's record of coming out of a week off, a bye, an extended week, you know, versus opponents, which is eight and no. And let's add into that. Like you just went into about the Bengals being a young and inexperienced team. Now 10 weeks into a rolling season and they have a short week that they're playing into those factors are definitely a plus for the Titans. And one of the reasons why I'm so high on them, not coming out flat this week, Mike, and I cannot find the comment. I was trying to find it before we started recording. He, he basically alluded to, that they know what they need to talk about, to be prepared, that kind of thing. In other words, I feel like that's what they're focusing on this week. We're not coming out flat. This is not, you know, we're not going to come in and buy into the narrative of, of just, you know, coming out and laying an egg. So 
that's kind of the next piece I want to go into, Zach. Well, Joe, I think it was Joe Rexford, and I may be attributing incorrectly, uh, put out something either Saturday or Friday saying that basically the Titans have been preparing for the Bengals all week. So during the bye week, they were, you know, you either you prepare for the teams that you haven't played, right? That's what Vrabel said. It's what Bowen said. Almost everybody, I think Tannehill even, even said it. They're using their bye week to prepare for the opponents they have not played yet. And they spent the majority of their time on the Bengals. And look, I get it. People want to point to last year and it's a revenge game. And, you know, Vrabel did mention, oh, they got their asses kicked in or whatever last year. It's not a revenge game because of all coaches, and this also goes to the point of coming out flat, what happened in the past does not matter to Mike Vrabel. Now, what I mean by that is that he's not going around the locker rooms. He's not going around films crew and film studies showing tape of last year and saying, okay, don't forget that this team kicked our ass. Don't forget this team kicked our ass. He's not pounding that in their head because it's entirely two different teams. They're at two different stages of their uh, NFL life. When you really look at it, different people, all different playmakers all the way around the whole team. And the defense is completely different. The Titans defense is completely different. So he's focused on the now. Mike Vrabel always talks about when you got to remember when these media people waste their question asking about, are you guys looking ahead for the bye week? Or, you know, if you win this game, you guys are going to have the bye week. Or if you win this game, you know, you guys are going to be six and one on top of the AFC. Are you guys thinking about that? He always says, no, we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about this week in the moment right now. And that's why they don't come out flat. Who gives a shit what happened in 2008? Who fucking cares? If you bring up 2008, well, they lost in 2008. Dude, it is 2022. Like, (laughs) where the fuck? (laughs) Kerry Collins is not on this team. Jeff Fisher is not coaching this team. Like, I do not get what 2008 has to do with 2022 and two entirely different teams. Zach, I don't see this drives me nuts when you do that. I don't, you know, why I don't like that because I've spent the last two days clouding the Cowboys for only winning four games, not making it past the divisional round in 25 years. When in reality, my argument doesn't make any sense because you're exactly right. Year over year, decade over decade, teams change. And well, I, I that's think that's the- still okay though, because what you're saying <laughs> is, is that they haven't won a game since, you know, yeah, in 25 yeah. years. What I'm saying is what happened in 2008 does not dictate to 2022. And, and you're still right. Those previous three losses or whatever by the Cowboys have nothing to do with their losses weekend. It does not dictate that they can't win or couldn't right. win or anything. It just, they, they don't. The, the Titans have won games since then in the playoffs since that 2008. This is not the same team. And, and it's all because of Mike Vrabel, your coach of the year. If your fear that Mike Vrabel is going to have this team and they're going to come out flat, the Tennessee Titans are going to come out flat, then you obviously do not really truly believe in Mike Vrabel as coach of the year. I'm sorry, you don't. Right. You're, you're, you're a fake-ass person, and you need to get your head on straight because if you are for Mike Vrabel coach of the year, 
the least of your worries should be this team coming out flat because this team has been in the building. They've been doing their study. They've been doing their prep work. They're preparing. They didn't take a week off just because it's a bye week. Maybe they took a week off doing physical stuff. But this team is mentally, emotionally prepared because of Mike Vrabel week in and week out. They know they can't come out flat against the, the Bengals. They are pumped. They're ready. King hit. How can any team be flat with the when they are at a home playoff game and King Henry's coming back. You really think that they're going to gonna hear all these Henry chants and everything and just be like, oh, man, it's going to be a tough one. I just don't know if I could play this one. Like, give me a fucking break. God, I hate – I wish I would have known about that narrative. If I wouldn't know about the flat narrative, that would have been all, my whole fucking blog post. <laughs> all right, let me, let me irritate you more. Even though I haven't seen a lot of evidence of this, but I'll just throw it out there because we'll see one or two tweets. Last time the Titans had a home game last year, they came out and played like crap. I don't think they played like crap. I think what happened is, is that it came down to one play and Art Smith called the wrong play with Khalif Raymond as the, the, where the ball's supposed to go. I, and they, also this is also just, the defense played well, but the offense was playing well. It's just that the Ravens came out and, and befuddled Art Smith. That's, I mean, I, and, that's and, where I land on it. The 2020 Titans, towards the end of the season, you started to show that if there had to be fans out there, I know I was one of them that was thinking, I don't know how far this team goes. This is not a good looking team. It's not a good makeup. They got some serious problems that is not reflective of 2021. And and again, I, I know I just sat here and we just sat here for the last you know eight minutes harping about not coming out flat, but this team has had things line up so perfectly in the last several weeks with now two buys. They um, also the played span. 14 games in a row, by the way, right. leading into that or 13 games lead into that. It's their 14th game in a row. Look at teams, look at teams that start. Actually, let me use Larry Fitzgerald as an example. That one piece that I loved about him going on the Manning cast last night is just hearing an NFL star, someone who has spent a long time in the league come out and definitively say, uh, Peyton Manning asked him, you know, does it matter if you end the game on a bit of a cold streak? You know, would you rather end it on a hot streak? And Fitzgerald almost all but cut him off and said, it absolutely matters. You can't go into the postseason on a losing streak. You can't go into the postseason on a cold streak, anything like that. And he kind of elaborated in how it's nice to come in healthy and a little fresh, but with some wins under your belt and that kind of thing. That means a lot to players and it means a lot to coaches who know what the hell they're doing. And I love that you brought up the piece about Mike Vrabel and coach of the year. You can't scream coach of the year from the rafters and then get on Twitter and get on social media and openly worry and complain that the team's going to come out flat. Either you believe that the coach knows what he's doing or, or, he, or he doesn't. So look, I'll, I'll put it this way. If they come out flat and look like hell, Vrabel does not deserve coach of the year. And I'd actually be pissed if they gave it to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm it, technically, I think it's technically a regular season award, and that right. really doesn't diminish everything else. I just, I, I see such a tough route that this team has to take to get to that point. I just don't see it as a scenario. Like, is it possible? Yeah, like one percent possible. This team comes out flat. I just cannot imagine a team at home with Derrick Henry coming back being flat. I, it's just. 
the way that players feed off the energy inside the stadium and the way that players feed off each other, I just do not see it. I just, I can't see it. Zach, I, um, you know, I've got some breaking news for you and I don't know if you've heard Uh this or not, but, uh, Christian Fulton, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, Tory Carter, Racy McMath, they won a national championship together at uh, at LSU. Oh, really? There's a lot of familiarity there, and that's wow. going to be a problem. Wow, you mean that the, all these people played co- college ball together in 2019? In a wow. very un- in a very unexciting, uneventful national championship game to which no one watched. What a great story! I hope they get to that on uh, uh, Good Morning America. Maybe the Today <laughs> Show can talk about it. Hey, Give it's me the divisional round. It's the divisional round on Saturday at 3.30. You know, ESPN's not going to talk about it. They've got <laughs> Bill's Chiefs. They got them in both hands going at it. Yeah, they're probably going to have them all together at a pregame interview. Exactly. Oh, you remember this time or remember that time? And they're looking they at They like playing in cold weather. Yeah. Like, give me a break. I The, the, the fact that people think that some of this matters to the t- tactical, gives anybody any tactical advantage is is utterly ridiculous. Anybody with a brain's going to tell you that, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, it, it's just so funny to me to see. I'm not surprised that the people automatically cling to this and think that, oh, well, Christian Fulton knows all the tricks of Jamar Chase. Like, Jamar Chase hasn't spent a year, first off, while he opted out, training and doing new things, and hasn't spent a year in an t- entirely new system on an entirely new offensive coordinator and learning other things. Like, give give me a break that there is some kind of familiarity. What happened in 2019 isn't really going to dictate what is going on in 2022. And they're not going to be looking at the LSU film. They're going to be looking at the film in the pros. Because what happened in, I'm going to go back to this. What happened in 2019, while they were all practicing together and maybe getting some practice reps on the field, in college under Joe Brady has nothing to do with what is going on now. You know, they may see like maybe Christian Fulton knows, well, if, you know, Jamar Chase moves his foot to the right, right before the snap is off, he's going to do this. Maybe. But guess what? Joe Burrow and, and, and Jamar Chase, they know the same thing about Christian Fulton. There is no tactical advantage. It's a little ridiculous. And the fact is this. The Tennessee Titans don't even use shadow coverage. They use a zone coverage. So right now, Jamar Chase would have to even be lined up in the the area of Christian Fulton on the field for them to even see each other, which if I'm the the Bengals who moved Jamar Chase around everywhere, I'm putting him over on Jack Rabbit's side. Like at this, at this point, you just put him over on Jack Rabbit's side and just let – and the Titans better hope and pray that Jack Rabbit could be physical enough to get Jamar Chase off his routes because – that's that's the mismatch familiarity just this this idea I, I get it it's a great story good on you you got your human human interest piece of the week is oh they all played together Ooh, ooh, look at them winning national championships back in 2019 like give me a fucking break it just it does not matter it, it I, them playing against each other practicing against each other will come down to no part of this game being important and I like the part that you and James with no, no flags film, um, by the way, new recent contributor to, uh, to Broadway 
If you're not following at, at No Flags Film on Twitter, you need to. Fantastic film breakdowns. Um, really like the piece about where um, Titans and defensive coverages they line up on the on the same side yeah. each time. Jamar Chase is floating back and forth across the field. Um, there's not shadowing going on, not a lot of shadowing going on out there. I mean, that's just further narrative that this is not, they're not going to be able to just key up their old buddies, like, you know, LSU footage and go, there it is. There's the secret to Mike Vrabel's success. And that's nothing you know what it also tells me team. about the people that say this, they don't watch the team. I, I'm sorry. If you, if you think that this Christian Fulton, Jamar chase thing, they're going to watch each, they're going to be shadowing each other. And it's only them two out on the field. And that's one of your go-to to talking topics is familiarity. Then you're not you don't you're not watching where Christian Fulton's lining up. You're not watching where Jamar Chase is lining up. You should probably go back and watch some more film. Well, Zach, get as back you can see, time. I have a very low tolerance for these takes. <laughs> Good, because I'm going to cram you back in the time machine. We'll go back to 2020. I leading into the Bengals game in 2020, and we were kind of guilty of this as well. Um, really leaning into can't wait to watch this defense against that offensive line and Joe. I mean, I know specifically within our chat, we I'm not going back and listen to that episode. Leaning I, I, into that game. It's probably going to be painful um, because we were so big on the fact that they were going to destroy this offensive line, destroy Joe Burrow. And it ended up being the complete opposite. They ran out there with an O line that was being held together with plumbers tape and the Titans almost got no pressure on them at all. So, um, why is that different this year? I know we just went through a whole thing with that, but there, there's a marked difference in why yeah. 2021 feels like pressuring Jerboro will be different. Well, it will be entirely different because we have people that can actually finish the rushes. So we have Danico yeah. Autry, you, you, you see that Harold Landry, Bud Dupree, you know, and that's, that's the big factor to me is that Bud Dupree is now another week healthier, you know, like, this this team just gets another week and another week healthier, and it's Bud Dupree is obviously way better than Jadavian Clowney. Let, let's just get the twenty twenty Jadavian Clowney, twenty twenty one Bud Dupree, no fucking contest in my book. And last year, the defense was historically bad, right? The this year the defense is not historically bad, and. The the Bengals offensive line is still bad. I mean, they have the um, 30th ranked offensive line unit and pass, pass block win rate. Now, there's more to it than just saying, oh, well, you know, the Tennessee Titans got a pressure dribble. If, if that's the end of your topic and you just throw out a bunch of false platitudes and and stuff like that to basically a bunch of fluff surrounding that narrative then you're you're doing a disservice to your listeners to your readers because look it uh, what it comes down to yeah you got to put pressure and you probably need to put pressure be able to generate pressure with four rushers because you can't afford any coverage breakdowns because Joe Burrow is still great when he's under pressure like that's the thing everybody looks at the 51 sacks and's like oh well you know the, you could abuse the offensive line and you can really rattle Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow does not get rattled. You're, you have to consistently be able to rush with four and not have any coverage breakdowns. Because if your coverage is undisciplined and you allow these wide receivers who are really good, they have three really good wide receivers and a really good tight end, pass catching tight end, 
and you let those guys get into little zones and whole pockets in there, he's going to hit them and get a first down. You're talking about a guy that, when pressured, get, has gotten 55 first downs through the air. When pressured, he is 8.6 yards per attempt. Let me say something. I didn't even put this in there. 8.6 yards when he's, when he's pressured, 9 yards when he's not pressured. That's how good his yards per attempt is when he's pressured. It's only 0.4 yards away from when he's not pressured. Um, he's got the highest completion percentage. He's got the fifth most yards when pressured. I mean, he's got the best passer rating, 92.4 when in, in the NFL when he's pressured. So it's not just about pressuring Joe Burrow because obviously teams are getting pressure or getting pressures on him. But he's five and five when he's been pressured 10 plus times. You know, five and five is actually a pretty good record when you really think about it for when you're pressured 10 plus times. So you obviously got to get up into like 15 to 14 pressures, but you can't afford coverage breakdowns because that's how you get him down into a sack is making sure that he does not have easy passes to complete. And if you're not putting those th two things together, when you're talking about pressuring and adding pressure, then again, the, the stats are readily available. It's not like I went and charted every Bengals play. These chats, these stats are readily available. You can stat that. You know, of all, of all, <laughs> of all days, of all days, Zach, you. it's, it's my damn birthday. Can you just not happy birthday in my face? Happy birthday. Um, stat that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So let me ask this, because this is something I saw um, brought up in chat, and I kind of really liked it. Obviously, we know Jamar Chase, a damn good receiver. Is he a good separation receiver? Is that going to be something that you feel is a worry against uh, the secondary? I, I think it is. I, here's my problem. Here, here's the, I don't know if it's really my problem, but here's here's the issue with Jamar Chase that, He's a lot like A.J. Brown in, in a different way. But he's one of those guys that can take a slant and take it to the house easily. Yeah. And to me, his, his separation, I think he can get separation. I don't see, I don't see an issue that he couldn't. The, the thing is that you're going to have to jam him up at the line. And, and that's what this Tennessee Titans team can do they don't do a lot of it but they're gonna have to get physical with all of these teams i'm more worried about jamar chase in the slot and jamar chase over on jackrabbit side than i am with christian full i think that will be key look t higgins and is is great christian fulton i feel like can handle t higgins you gotta remember when they played this Bengals team they were still fielding jonathan joseph out there Jonathan Joseph was still playing for the Tennessee Titans and starting for the Tennessee Titans on this team. This is a much better secondary than what the Titans had last year. And to me, I, I feel like you have to get in Jamar Chase's face to get him off his routes. Now, can he get separation pretty easily? Yeah, I mean, he can because he's got the speed, he's got the the physicality to do it. But you got to make it you got to buy your pass rush time to get to Joe Burrow. You got to buy you got to make it hard for him to get those passing lanes and if you get up and press on Jamar Chase, get him a little bit off his route, 
that those 0.5 seconds or one second can buy you a lot of time for your defense. The part I wanted to bring up and what I thought was so interesting about um, the Raiders Bengals game, which ultimately ended up being the best game of the weekend um, is the fact that the Raiders were so abysmal in red zone defense and the Bengals struggled so much against their red zone defense. I, I thought that was kind of a tell. I wanted to pull up and take a look at where Cincinnati is sitting They're 19th in red zone offense, even over the last three, I'm still relatively the same. The Titans are, you know, number four in red zone defense. I think that's a good and key matchup. I think that's another good piece that Tennessee's and what, what Tennessee has done well all year with the bend don't break defense is, even if they give up chunk yardage in the middle of the field, being able to hold a team like the Bengals to a field goal versus actually putting it in the end zone, I believe the Titans have the advantage there. Um, and, it, and it is based on just how they played against the Raiders. Now, if I'm the Bengals, I'm focusing on that Raiders game and say, how the hell did we not score more against this abysmal red zone defense? But at the same time, I feel like that's where a Titans huge strength matchup comes from. Yeah, I, I, I find that, I'll, I'll say this, the, that Raiders Bengals game changed my whole outlook about this game. And I am all yep. in, I, I'm not that scared of the Bengals. If you can't do, if you can't score touchdowns against the words, the world's worst red zone defense of the last 30 years, you're not, you're going to have issues when you get up against Tennessee Titans, which are actually, that's probably their best area of defense is right there. So I'm yeah, with yeah, you. Just, just atrocious. I mean, and it's not like the Raiders were doing relatively okay up until like the last several weeks of the, the last several weeks of the season and the leading in the wilds, the Raiders, the wheels came off the bus for the red zone defense and the Bengals still couldn't score against that. That's what gave me hope. I'm, I'm like you, I kind of expected to watch that Raiders game almost with the fear of they were going to do to the Raiders, what the bills did to the Patriots or what the chiefs did to the Steelers. <laughs> we knew the Steelers are going to get their ass kicked anyway, but at the same time, that, that was kind of what my fear was. Well, and they um, should have, and they didn't. And that's, yeah. a, I think that goes a long way into <clears throat> telling you about this team, the inexperience that the moment is getting They're They're going to run out of gas. And I think this is the perfect time for them to run out of some gas. Let's talk about the the one piece we have not touched on and what we're all sitting here waiting for day to day, which is the announcement that Derrick Henry has been activated off IR and is going to play. We fully do expect that to happen. Um, so let's assume how does Derrick Henry match up against this run defense? Well, the, the good thing is, is that before his injury, he was at 4.3 yards per carry. This is what that's what the Cincinnati Bengals give up. And that's what matters. Volume stats do not matter because it does not take into account game script. It does not take into account that they were outscoring their opponents at halftime 18 to six. So obviously, yeah, a team is going to abandon the run in the second half a little bit less. This team, Tennessee Titans team, they want to run. And with the, Bengals allowing 4.3 yards per carry. That was Henry's mark, you know, the whole way through the first eight games. That's Deontay Foreman's mark in his absence. Dontrell Hillard is 6.3 yards per attempt. That means that they're as a unit at five yards. Derrick Henry, this idea that he is going to be eased in and all this stuff and have to, he's going to be in a 50-50 split with Deontay Foreman and Dontre Hillard. 
let me tell you something. Derrick Henry is going to be out there every chance he can get as long as he's feeling good. And let me say something. He is chomping at the bit to go against this stupid, horrible, mediocre rush defense. Don't let anybody tell you that this is the fifth best rush defense in the league. It's That's only in terms of the total yards. Give me a fucking break. Those people don't know what they're talking about. They're two box score scouting. You know, give me a fucking break. Those are losers who say that. That the what? people who reference them as the fifth scoring or the fifth best Russian defense are fucking losers. What was what was the stats <laughs> open out on Twitter? I can't find it. I'm gonna butcher it now. But it was like Henry only needs eleven thousand seven hundred yards against the Bengals to eclipse some ridiculous record. I don't know. It really made me laugh my ass <laughs> off. <laughs> um, let's wrap this up with a bow. This Titans team is not the 2020 Titans. Let's put that out the window. This team, the Bengals are not the 2020 Bengals. This matchup favors the Titans more than it favors the Bengals. And if you did not come out of that Raiders game more excited that Tennessee can absolutely beat this team and beat them soundly, you weren't watching the same thing we were watching. I will get into it in just a moment, but I'm, I have more worries out of the Bills and the Chiefs. Those are teams that, that they've heated up quickly. The Bengals, it really bothered me, and it really I really had to smile when they could not score against that Raiders team. They should have destroyed that Raiders team, and they did not. So I, I think you need to be excited going into this game just about the possibility the Titans are going to come out red hot, not come out soft, not come out you know middling, they're going to come out red hot. They should come out red hot. They've had everything line up for them to be healthy, rested, and well-prepared. And there's not a better front office. There's not a better coach in this league to get them prepared for this moment right here. 31-21 Titans. That's where I'm going. I, I, like, your, I like your prediction. I don't really do predictions, just mainly because I'm a, not a numbers guy. But um, I'll go with the Titans win. Let's talk about the fan base. So that, I'm, I'm actually encouraged by the Titans fan base here. Now, I'm a hypocrite. I've not gone to a game this season. But I really like the fact that there were a lot of Titans fans that traveled to Houston to go see the last regular season game. You could tell that the players enjoyed it. It's just based on that alone that I feel like that this surge of Titans playoff like ticket purchasing I believe it's majority Titans fans. And I think Titans fans are going to be there and be very, very loud. This is apparently the most expensive divisional round ticket in the league. Is Ridiculous. Bengals. I was looking at them yesterday. They're like $1,000, $900, you know, yeah. for low, per, a, a piece, a piece. Fuck you guys. I can't go to the game on that. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, that's silly. Uh, listen, I had a chance two weeks ago to grab a ticket at face value and did not do it. I'm an idiot. Uh, but I wish I would have known. I would have got. <clears throat> I, I, I'm listen. I'm looking for looking. I'm I'm prissy. I don't care. I'll say it. I need lower bowl tickets. I want them at face value. If you got some, hit me up and we'll we'll talk. We'll chat. Come in my DMs. You know who loves when people hit them up for tickets? V Love. Definitely yeah. getting V Love's mentions. <laughs> he he really really enjoys that. But in all seriousness. If you're looking for a tailgate, seriously, go find Vincent's tailgate. It's called the D spot. I can't remember the lot. It's in right over there on the sidewalk. Lot, on the, D. On, on lot D. It's a phenomenal tailgate. They were posting pictures yesterday of having a damn fireball fountain of the fireball whiskey no, that you. comes down. <laughs> no, thank you. Fireball no. gets me in too much trouble. Too much <clears throat> trouble for me. 
I've had a little too much tequila at that uh, tailgate before and I had to leave a Chiefs game. Um, so <laughs> let's let's talk about the fan base. I think they're going to show up. I think that they're going to be loud. I fully expect that the stadium crew to go above and beyond and to put on a good production. You can't help the PA announcer. That's out the window. But this fan base needs to be loud. They need to show up and they need to make a ton of noise. And I think the best way to do that, show up at tailgate. Get yourself lubricated. Get in there and get fueled up. You're not tailgating for a three o'clock game. What's wrong with you? What, how, why are you living your life the way you do? Yeah. Three o'clock game on a Saturday. You've yeah. got Sunday to worry about what you've done to your body. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's the free ticket just to g- go out and balls to the wall, have the most fun you've ever had at a game, and cheer on your team in the playoffs. If, like I said, you find tickets of face value, Lurble, hit me up. <laughs> um, so I don't want to necessarily look ahead. Mike Frable so would chew this- your head off if you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I, I do want to say this with, with a thin caveat. If you had to face a team, would you rather face the Bills or the Chiefs currently? I think I would rather face the Bills. And maybe that seems crazy, but I don't think that they are the best defense in the NFL like everybody wants to say they are because they played one of the weakest schedules of the NFL. And I think that they're... I, I like both matchups because neither matchup has a, a fearsome running game that the tides have to worry about. And they can do different things defensively and get creative defensively to slow down the passing attack because they don't have to worry about the rush defense or the rush offense of these teams. And I don't think really either defense matches up well enough to be able to stop Derrick Henry, AJ Brown and Julio Jones and Nick Westbrook. Yeah, I'm throwing Nick Westbrook in there because he's awesome. NWI's got his shit together and I really like it. And Ferkser looks to be coming on at the right time. You, you know, I'm going to hold off. He has to do it, you know, two games in a row. But The Peter's fingers have stiffened it, up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so let's let's see what he does. But I, I like the matchups. Often. I just like the matchups of both these things. I think I would rather... I think I would rather destroy the hopes and dreams of Bills fans because they're the Bills are going to have to travel to the Chiefs, right? And they've already played in... Uh, uh, they, neither of these teams had really physical games that they had to go through. So you got to hope that while these teams aren't technically physical, that they play a really long game time-wise. And if the Bills have to travel to Kansas City and and barely eke out a win there, then they come to Nashville. That's an advantage for the Tennessee Titans over just playing the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know really how to say it because I, I think both teams are are good matchups for the Titans, but I like the Bills just basically because they had to travel the week before. I agree. And I, I if, if you were trying to pick up, if you were trying to pick which matchup of those wildcard weekend was more of an ass kicking, that's not the way for me to look at it. I'm sorry. It, it, which one was more dominant? It's so easy to point to the Bills and say, yes, but here's here's the reason why I argue that the Chiefs win is a little bit more indicative of, oh, shit, this team's getting hot at the right time versus the Bills. Dude, the Bills have been oppressed by the Patriots for so long. That was a someone needs to pull this guy off punching this man in the stomach type fight. Like that was 20 some odd years of pent up rage against not winning the East getting beat 
in the playoffs, never being able to advance past the Patriots. That There was a lot of pent-up rage and animosity in that revenge game. The Chiefs just beat up on a, on a bad team, on a Steelers team who we knew exactly who they were. I mean, yeah, we got a little excited. I was one of those who was a little excited through the first quarter that, oh, my God, the Steelers have a lead. <laughs> they scored the ball on, on defense. But you were lying to yourself. You thought that offense was going to do anything. I mean, Big Ben can't throw a ball past eight yards. The so. Bills will be on their 14th or 15th game when they come to the Titans <clears throat> in a row. Right. And right. the, the, the Chiefs had a week 12 bye where the Bills <clears throat> had a week uh, seven bye. So that's a big difference. I mean, and again, they travel to Kansas City. Like, I'm all in. I don't think the Bills beat the Chiefs because I think you're right. The emotional game that they just went through where they pounded their chest, got, you know, destroyed this emotion in this emotional game and just came out firing. One of these teams is obviously going to lose, but I think the Bills are unfortunately going to lose. I just hope that they beat the crap out of the, the injured somewhat injured Kansas City Chiefs offense to really make it easy up for us. These teams got to soften each other up for us. Well, Zach has already laid his case out for if you can get tickets, hit him up. He Please. wants a lower bowl ticket and it needs to be a face, face value. value. It needs to be face value. So that means get all up in his DMs for $1,200. Um, we really appreciate you tuning in today. We're going to let you uh, get back to your week. Of course, we will be back next week to talk about Titans Bengals. So, if you're going to the game, get loud, get there early, tailgate. You have no excuse not to. You've got all day Sunday to explain to your wife about the lie that you told about. I'll be fine on Sunday. I'll be doing chores around the house. Too hungover to do anything today. So it's a perfect setup for you to go watch some football on Saturday. And guess what? If the Titans win, they go into the week with another extra day built in because of that Saturday game into the AFC Championship. So that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening as always. Football and other efforts. Rate, review, subscribe. Come check us out at Broadway Sports Media as well. Um, and tell your friends that you listen to us. And please share it. That's all we got. Football and other efforts. You've just been after. A Broadway Sports Media production.